Hey there, hockey fans. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. So glad you're joining us today. My name is Amy Johnson, your host of the show and the lead correspondent at the AHL Report. And of course, I'm joined each and every week by my wonderful co-host. Couldn't do this show without him. That would be our founder and editor-in-chief, Mr. Rick Stevens. And Rick, not only is it, you know, we're here on January 7th for From the Press Box. It's the first show of the new year. It's the first show of the new decade. Do I sound the same? Do we sound the same? I wonder if our listeners, do we sound the same in, in the Roaring Twenties? The Roaring Twenties. It's going to be the Roaring Twenties. I'm pretty excited about this this new year, this new decade. It's it's off to an amazing start. I had a really good it, holiday. It is. Um, some great things are happening, have been already happening with Rocket Sports and some um, um, more amazing things to come uh, that we mm-hmm. uh, will roll out as we go along. And th- this just feels like a you know, a rebirth, then we're, we're, we're uh, springing ahead into, as you say, the Roaring Twenties. And this, uh, from the press box, our first show of the new year, so I'll say Happy New Year to you. Um, I Thank will, you. I hope it's a great year for you, uh, personally and professionally. And um, I'll also Aww. say Merry Christmas to um, uh, folks, um, well, who may be of the Ukrainian persuasion or anyone celebrating the uh, the Julian calendar. And, and uh, so it's Christmas for them. Merry Christmas to those folks. Wow. And, uh, triple header here. Um, a very happy birthday. Quite a happy birthday um, to uh, actually, there's a couple of our, our, our listeners. Uh, That's that, true. Uh, are, are celebrating a birthday today. Um, but happy birthday to you. I understand you are celebrating a birthday today. So uh, best I wishes <laughs> and, uh, and a very happy birthday. Wow. Rennie Carl, by the way, is, is the yes. other one who shares a birthday with you. And he, uh, from the, the Montreal draft uh, back in 2009, the very ago. first yeah. time we brought together fans to do this, it was uh, Rene Carl making his first voyage out of his uh, small village in Quebec and joining us. A great friend, a great friend of the of uh, All Habs Hockey Magazine and Rocket Sports, and and so happy birthday to Rene Carl! And again, happy Absolutely. birthday to you. Well, thank you. And yes, every year for the last ten years, Rene Carl and I, oh, we were we were so pleased to find out that we shared a birthday on January seventh. Um, and uh, so every year we, we be we're sure to. Uh, Wish each other a happy birthday on Twitter as well, since we shared the day. But thank you to you uh, on oh my gosh, so many levels. Um, it was a it was a great holiday season. Uh, had a spectacular uh, holiday at home with uh, with family. My husband. Um, it was just a really really complete holiday season. Um, it was just wonderful. I couldn't have asked for a, a better time. Rocket Sports is, as you say, roaring right into uh, the 20s. Uh, 2020 has kicked off in a spectacular fashion. Um, lots of great things happening here uh, that we're pretty excited about. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what what we've got in store, knowing all the <laughs> kind of all the irons we have in the fire and things are cooking on the stovetop. So um, all of that is great. I wish uh, you a Merry Christmas 
for the for the Orthodox tradition as well. And thank you so much for remembering my birthday. Yes, I'm the the happy day today. Uh, it's been a wonderful day so far. Um, have gotten some great. Um, birthday wishes and and things of that nature. And I'm happy to get to spend some of my birthday here today chatting with you and and talking hockey with uh, our listeners. It's fantastic. That's great. And and something, I mean, this all just kind of is a bit of a perfect storm. Um, It's not today. We we haven't done our our national day for a long, long time. But um, Kathy, Kathy, thank you for um, listening and, and for reminding us about that and some messages over the holidays that were mm-hmm. uh, terrific. Um, but uh, always reminds us about the National Day calendar and coming up in a couple of days on the 10th. Okay. And I know you'll, you'll be getting ready for this. It's, it's called Save the Eagles Day. And um, I know initially it's probably, you know, the the uh, feathered variety uh, that they were talking about, but given that performance on the weekend, I think you'll be enthusiastically participating in save the Eagles day uh, this week. You know, you started out the new year so well, (laughs) but I think you just set a new land speed record for tanking the well wishes in the new year. Really? Didn't work. I don't think so. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just so enthusiastic about uh, my Vikings. No one, no them, one gave them a hope. Not a single person um, I, gave I, them a I hope. Will, oh, I will correct you on that. I will correct you on that. I well? picked them. I picked them to win on Sunday. I was alone on an island, but I picked really? them to win on Sunday. I said, no, 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 not the New Orleans Saints. So thank you very much. I the sole person who picked the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday and you crap all over my Eagles. Mm. Mm. Who, which, who has the worst fans in the league? Not Philadelphia. Okay. Maybe Philadelphia, but still, you know, well, the, the Vikings were, you know, uh, um, the, the saints were, were such uh, heavy favorites, uh, Vikings underdogs by two touchdowns, and uh, brilliant effort uh, by the defense, especially. And uh, Kirk Cousins, my goodness, um, came through in the end. Um, so he did. Uh, there's there's hope going into San Francisco next uh, weekend. Absolutely, I mean, and and I should still playing. That's right. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you'd be nice. It's my birthday. You'd be nice. <laughs> No, I was very happy to see uh, to see your Vikings win. I'm not a I'm not a Saints fan. I've never really been a big Drew Brees fan, so uh, happy to see the Vikings uh, advance. Uh, and I'm not really a Niners fan either, so I'd be I'd be fine with them moving on. Um, yeah, apparently. Speaking of feathered, apparently it's National Canada Goose Day here in my little area of Pennsylvania because literally the field across from my house today, it's usually a pretty popular spot for for geese and ducks to stop. And there's a, it's kind of like it's like a farmer's field, a cornfield. And so when the when everything's harvested, it there's like a little bit of a a low spot in the field where water gathers and so geese and ducks like to kind of stop there for a drink and a bath and whatnot but today there literally has to be 
I'm not exaggerating. There has to be at least 100,000 Canada geese that keep flying overhead and landing in that field. Uh, so if you hear, like, in the background, it sounds like I'm being invaded by an army of Canada geese. It's probably because they're trying to get into my house. So <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, I don't know. I don't know why they're all here, but they're here in case anyone's missing them. Uh, we Me. aren't. <laughs> all right. Well, we do have plenty of hockey to talk about today. Um it's been uh, it's been an interesting couple of weeks for all of our teams that we cover. Um, so, of course, in the first segment, we are going to take we're certainly not going to go step by step through every game the Rocket or the Phantoms have played in the last couple of weeks. But we are going to just talk about how both of those teams have been doing in recent days. Um, and also, particularly for Laval, we want to talk about, uh, you know, it's it's a new year and there's new uh, well, yet again, there's some new faces on the team, um, and we wanted to highlight a couple of those in particular and, and talk a bit about those. Also going to bring our Press Box Ponderings segment into into this first segment, um, and we're going to talk a little bit and expand a little bit more on what seems to be uh, an evergreen topic on this podcast uh, week after week after month after month. Um, for a long time now, and that is just the goaltending disaster that is the Montreal Canadiens organization. And I, when I when I say that, I don't mean that Carey Price is washed up. Uh, far from it. Um, but as far as the handling of the goaltending's depth chart, it's been an absolute disaster. We've been saying that here for weeks and months and probably more than a, a couple of years now. Um, and so we're going to expand on that a little bit in this first segment as well. After that, we're going to move to segment two, go around the AHL. We'll talk about the player of the week as well as the players for the month of December. Those, uh, those pesky all-stars, they've been announced. So we're just going to take a quick look at the roster, pull out some highlights there for you. And uh, take a look at now that we're basically at the halfway point of the season, what do the standings look like? Uh, and and who's, who's leading the four divisions and how's that looking? Uh, before we head to the final segment where we go beyond the AHL uh, and uh, have some mentions of the ECHL All-Star rosters, uh, and we'll take a quick look back at what was a very exciting World Junior Championship tournament, and we'll give you a preview of where you can find us this week. So lots to talk about back That's a on lot. the air. It is. It is. So maybe we should get to it a bit. Uh, we will start. You, you are with... going to talk about Canada um, beating, um, winning the world juniors, are you not? Let's... And how the United States did, didn't. You want to go 0 for are, are 2? We... You want to go <laughs> 0 for 2 to start? I know it's 2020, but you're supposed to go 2 and 0, not 0 for 2. I see. Uh-huh. Congratulations to Canada. They did play very well. That's all I have to say about that. Well, I'll have a little more to say about it later, but Canada played a good tournament. They certainly did. Although, although... There was that first game against Russia, but we won't talk about that. Well, and then, yeah, then then there was some pretty controversial non-calls towards the end of the gold medal game with Russia things that should have been a penalty that weren't a penalty, you know, I don't know. 
What are you going to do? But we are first and foremost going to talk about the AHL. Um, I'm going to actually start with with the Phantoms and just mention them very briefly um, because there's really not a lot to talk about simply because um, they're not doing well. Uh, the Phantoms have found themselves in the basement of the Atlantic Division. Uh, they actually just in recent days have managed to crawl out of eighth place just barely hanging on in seventh place in the Atlantic right now, but they've been living uh, in eighth place for a while. Um, and ironically, it's kind of echoing what's going on with the Flyers at the NHL level, uh, who are currently coming off of what is typically a, a horrendous West Western road trip over the holidays. Uh, and this year was just absolutely disastrous. Um, ironically, it's it, ever since, well, I shouldn't say ironically uh, for the Flyers. Ever since Oscar Lindblom's diagnosis came out, not only has that taken an emotional toll on the team, but just the loss of Lindblom's skill and what he brings to the ice has become glaringly apparent that it is not easily replaceable. Um, and so the Flyers are struggling mightily. Uh, goaltending has not been solid on the road trip and the phantoms are echoing that um, not necessarily the goaltending portion, but the phantoms are really struggling to find wins. Um, and we will talk, they actually played in Laval on Saturday. Um, no, I'm sorry, Friday night. Uh, and they got shut out. They got blanked four to nothing. Uh, JF Barube was in net for Lehigh Valley. Um, and he was facing Caden Primo at the other end. So Caden Primo managed to notch his second shutout of the season. Um, and they went on to lose in Belleville the following day uh, on Saturday. Uh, it's just been a really rough road for the Phantoms. Um, you know, they've got some injuries, but the young, the young guys really seem to be struggling. The, the veterans are doing okay. The defense uh, has been, has been decent, but up front, they're just, they just can't put goals together. Um, and, uh, you know, Morgan Frost is back down. Um, that's going to help, but he obviously from watching him needs a little bit of time to readjust to the AHL pace and style of play. Uh, he hasn't necessarily quite looked himself yet. Um, so, it's going to be a bit of a journey, but right now is when the fan, the month of January is going to be a big deal for the Phantoms. Um, they really need to put a whole series of wins together if they're even going to consider getting back into uh, into the playoff into the playoff race. So we will see if they're able to do that. And it's um, particularly against uh, Laval. Um, it wasn't that they were. Uh, creating chances and 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 failing to finish, um, there wasn't a lot of chances in that game. Uh, high danger uh, kinds of chances. Um, no, they they looked they were they were out of sorts and struggling, in, in particularly in that game. Yeah. Now they they did actually win their last game, which is the, the only thing I think that has them in seventh place. They're they're tied for for with Bridgeport for that bottom position, but they have just a slightly higher winning percentage, but their last 10 games, they've gone three and seven. Um, and that's, that's just not going to cut it. So um, hopefully they can put something together remains to be seen. And we're going to be talking about them a little bit more 
this week and, and next week on the show because actually Laval will be visiting Lehigh Valley for their only appearance uh, in Allentown against the Phantoms this year. They'll be, they'll be appearing there on Saturday. So we will be taking a closer look at them uh, on Saturday. Now, Laval, uh, you know, Laval keeps going through these cycles where they started off the season, they couldn't win a game to save their lives. Then they go on a win ta- winning tear. Then they lose a bunch of games. Then they win a bunch of games. Then they lose a bunch of games. And now, right now, they're on a four-game winning streak. They have lost. They have won their last four games. Um, starting with uh, back on uh, December 28th, it was a home game against the Marlies. And the Marlies have really started to struggle in the last couple of weeks. They're, uh, they're losing games left and right. They've actually also gone three and seven in their last 10 games. Um, and that game at home for Laval, they beat Toronto six to one. It was an absolute just routing. Uh, Toronto had nothing that, that night. And that kicked off, uh, a four-game win streak for Laval. They went on then um, on New Year's Eve, played in Belleville and won uh, in the shootout in Belleville. That's the first time this year that they won in Belleville. Uh, and then they came home and, and blanked the Phantoms last Friday, four to nothing. And then the following day on Saturday played um, Syracuse uh, and they beat Syracuse three to two, which particularly given the way uh, things went against Syracuse the last time they played them, Last month, if you remember that awful uh, initiation into the AHL for Keith Kincaid, um, it was a it was a pretty good uh, outing for Laval. Syracuse, I must say, did not look like themselves. Um, and oddly enough, uh, Mr. Zach Fucali was making his AHL season debut in net that night. Um, so uh, unfortunate for Fucali that he didn't get the win, but he actually he actually performed pretty well in net. So so Rick. Laval right now is winning. How long that will last? Well, now they're going to spend most of January on the road. I think they only play two games, including including the game that they play the games that they just played at home this past weekend. I think they only have either one or two more games at home this entire month. So yeah, now they yeah. go out on the road. It's Syracuse on the 22nd and Belleville on the 31st. Two two remaining their two remaining home games, but as you said, a pile of games um, on the road, including a a trip. They don't often take plane trips, but it'll be a a plane trip um, to Winnipeg in the third week of January, which uh, may not be Have fun. Uh, too pleasant for for, for two games. <laughs> um, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, it, it was uh, earlier in the season when uh, Joel Bouchard said to our Chris G that uh, he said, you know, I challenge you uh, to find uh, any game over the last two years where we've been outplayed. We, we normally outplay um, our opposition. While even uh, the coach was admitting they, they were quite outplayed, uh, drastically outplayed on Saturday in that game in yeah. Syracuse. And he said, um, he told his team that we did not deserve to win this game and said, there will be games where um, you play well and you deserve to win and you lose. He said, this was a game where we played poorly. We were outplayed, but somehow uh, we managed to win. Um, so uh, that's, that's just the way it goes. 
They had a whopping one shot on goal in the first period. <laughs> if that gives you any indication. <laughs> and scored. And scored, yes. Uh, it was the only shot of of the period for them. Um, and it came at almost the 16-minute mark. So the first 16 minutes of the game, they didn't get a shot off on Zach Fucali at all. And Fucali's sitting back there saying, well, guys, thanks. You're making this kind of easy for me. And then uh, go on the power play. And um, it's actually a bit of a questionable goal. Um, if if offside was allowed to be challenged in the AHL, Benoit Gruel probably would have challenged it um, because there's a chance that Xavier Wellette wasn't quite able to keep the puck onside. Um, Syracuse certainly thought that he hadn't, but he fired it from the blue line. It went past Fukali and was considered a good goal. So it was, um, yeah, not, (laughs) as you say, not a great effort at all. Um, And they struggled to get shots on goal, period. They only had 15 shots on goal for the whole game. Well, things are going right for them, and uh, they they have to see um, if that's going to continue as they go on uh, this road trip. Uh, five games, five games, uh, a five game road trip uh, starting this Friday in Syracuse. And should, you know, we say, okay, now you have they have the challenge of they're spending most of the month of of January on the road, and this weekend coming up is, you know, their schedule is is pretty decent for them this year. While a lot of teams face a lot of three and threes where they play three games in three days, whether they're traveling or not Laval this year, I believe only has two of those. And one of those is coming up this weekend. So um, it's something that conditioning wise, they're not as used to this year because they don't have as many of them as they used to. And they're doing it on the road and a different city in each game. So this weekend coming up will definitely be a test of their um, their discipline, their endurance, um, all of that strength and conditioning. It's really going to come into play this weekend. Um, but with that being said, uh, there's certainly some some new faces. I mean, it seems the Canadians either have a year where they're not bitten by the injury bug much or they have years where it seems like every guy who touches the puck ends up with an injury and and the Canadians seem to be having the latter of those this year Uh, and so that has meant that Montreal has had to tap uh, their reserves in Laval quite a bit um, which is great for guys like Lucas Vedemo who is up and Ryan Paling is up where he really should be Um, you know and, and guys getting getting an opportunity up there. Um, Charlie Lindgren still up there for right now. We're going to talk a little bit more about the goaltending situation in a little bit, but uh, Lindgren doing just fine um, backing up Carey Price up there. But it also means that there's been kind of this influx of um, new faces. And uh, well, of course we know Charles Sudan has been back for a little while since, he was closing in on the end of his waiver exemption period with the NHL. Um, And now Riley Barber has come back. Um, 
And it's funny, Rick, uh, apparently Joel Bouchard was pretty excited to see Riley Barber come back because finally, uh, which has happened for them, you know, their words, not mine, rarely this season, a true top line could be established. So the top line and, and I have giving credit where credit's due. Jake Evans has been playing phenomenal hockey this season. He's finally getting the responsibility and the, the accolades he deserves. He's been playing, he's been centering the top line for at least the last dozen games. And it doesn't look like he's moving from there anytime soon, which is great for Jake Evans. It's where he needs to be. Um, And so the top line now, Houdon, Evans, Barber. Um, And Joel Bouchard was very excited to have Barber back. And uh, you had also uh, made some notes about, um, the fact that Barber coming back also changed up some special teams as well. Maybe for well, the better, it, maybe it, not for the better. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that uh, one of the one of the the issues that comes up um, often on uh, social media are, are we we get questions from um, uh, our fans and they they ask about how our prospects doing. Um, how's someone like Jake Evans uh, doing? And, and as we've reported here, yeah, a tough start. I think it's fair to say he was bounced around the lineup, a little bit of fourth uh, line play and, and, um, and, but now has really caught fire um, since scoring his first goal in November. Um, Ryan Paling, as you mentioned, is up and and playing very well um, on the third line as he, as he learns a new position playing on the wing, which he hasn't had to play before. Um, but it's, it's, it's not all been good news, uh, particularly for someone like Josh Brooke, who, um, you know, many nights is, is down on the third pairing. And just because of the number of, of players that have NHL experience, whether it's um, uh, Xavier Willette, who you mentioned before, or Carl Alsner or, uh, one of the others who's who's taking up time and and uh, uh, Brooke was starting to get a little bit of power play time um, when uh, someone like Riley Barber was uh, called up to Montreal. Um, but as soon as Barber came back, uh, the power play um, on the back end um, uh, Brooke was bumped and and Barber took his place, uh, which had uh, Barber and and Willette on the um, first power play pairing. Again on the back end, Leskin and McEnany on the second. Um, so um, you know, there's lots of movement, and uh, but but sometimes it's not always good for uh, prospects as they aren't getting the exposure to. Uh, playing a lot of minutes or playing in, in special teams uh, type of situations. That's true. And that's not to say, um, you know, keep in mind by saying, by offering up that kind of, of criticism, we aren't necessarily saying that, you know, Barber doesn't perform well. He does. And he, he was brought on to the team because, because he was he was expected to produce um and and sure some of the ECHL call-ups have been have been working out decently Evan McEnany's done a done a decent job um uh Joe Cox has been a, a relatively reliable 
addition for the season as just kind of someone to plug in. I, I was not in agreement of him being on the top line for as long as he was. I see him more as a third or fourth line guy. Um, Ralph Kademi, who we're going to talk a little bit about later on, um, has been a, has been a decent addition from the Reading Royals. But again, so, so we're, we're pleased that, okay, at least a handful of the guys that they're, they're calling on from the ECHL, um, who aren't Canadians prospects that are coming up are working out. Okay. The problem is, as you say, Rick, is when it takes away ice time and development experience for the actual prospects of the organization. And that's where, that's where management and coaching has to find that balance of what is more important, trying to make the playoffs or making sure you're developing your prospects properly. And it seems right now that Joel Bouchard is now because the Rocket, yes, they've won the last four games, but they are still outside the playoff picture at this point. Now, granted, the North Division is is really tight at the top, so they're only they're not that far out of a playoff spot. Um, but it's not guaranteed at this point because they've had some pretty significant losing streaks as well. It seems like Joel Bouchard is going to start weighing more heavily on getting the wins. I'll, you know, taking a look at the rosters this month and seeing how the lineups work out, work out, we'll be able to really fine tune that opinion and that perspective, but it, I'm going to, I'm going to bet that Joel Bouchard's desire to win is going to start kicking in over his newfound love for the development of prospects. Um, yeah. And now, and go ahead. And, and that too may, may be an organizational imperative. Um, uh, the organization is, is, um, you know, I, is in a, a desperate kind of position, the Montreal Canadiens. Sure. Um, as the kind of moves they're making, um, you know, it's pretty clear that the Canadians are, are, are going to have a real tough time making the playoffs. Um, it's, um, they're, they're, they're having problems with seats in, in the bell center. And so, uh, this could be an organizational imperative to, to, uh, shift the balance to making sure that one of their pro teams, uh, has some, something to look forward to in April, some, some playing Mm -hmm. time. And, and, um, because it was a good point you made. It's, it's not that I'm, I'm, um, advocating that Josh Brook uh, is a better power play, uh, you know, fixture than, than say a Riley Barber. That's, that's not it at all. Um, it's, it's simply that it's simply focusing on the prospects and giving them uh, the opportunity, many kinds of different opportunities to get experience in those roles while they're at uh, the AHL level. Absolutely. And now with Christian Folan clearing waivers this week, uh, which came to the surprise of no one. Um, That means Folan now gets dumped down into Laval, which means Folan is now going to take up ice time away from someone. Um, The Rocket don't play until Friday. So it'll be a few days till we get a glimpse as to where he's going to slot in to know who he's replacing and who's going to get bumped down to perhaps the third or fourth line. I'm, I'm betting. Well, I, sh- I shouldn't say that Yannick Veja has been Yannick Veja has, I will say <laughs> of all of the PTOs they could have signed Yannick Veja 
is the smartest one that they could have signed. And good for Yannick Veya for sticking to his guns and saying, I'm only coming and signing a PTO if you tell me you're going to play me. And he has held up his end of the bargain. He's pretty much at a point per game pace. Um, he's, he's scoring. He's, he's the same. He is the same Yannick Veya that we were accustomed to seeing the, when he was with the team for two years prior and then some because he's getting more ice time. So I don't see him um, necessarily moving off of the, of the second line. So we'll, we'll see where Fullen slots in. But yet again, another, another guy that's just getting dumped in Laval who's going to take up, take up space. Um, and now recently, of course, Rick, the, uh, Mark Bergevin has already started to heat up the, uh, the trade wire. Um, and in his trade to finally get rid of Mike Riley, hallelujah, um, he also acquired uh, an AHLer from Ottawa, and that is Andrew Sturtz. Now, Sturtz is not healthy, um, and Sturtz isn't, from what we understand, isn't close to being healthy. Uh, so he will, he's, he's continuing his rehabilitation from his injury uh, with Laval, but it does mean that when he's healthy, there's another body that you have to put onto this roster. Um, will it be a good thing? Well, we'll have to see who he replaces. <laughs> but, um, you know, Rick, it was great that we could get rid of Mike Riley. Everyone, I think, can agree that Mike Riley needed to go um, and 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 got a pretty decent package for him. But we're still at the point where, okay, well, now it's, this is another AHLer that we didn't necessarily need. Yeah, Mike Mike Riley was um, he's he's been a disaster this this season, only playing 14 games. Um, Mike Riley, frankly, never should have been signed. There was no need to nope. sign Mike Riley. Um, there was no, um, you know, there was there, there was nothing he did last year that would uh, support signing him. Not only signing him for one year, but two years. Uh, so yeah. his 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 contract made him difficult to uh, to trade. Um, fortunately, uh, the Senators were. Uh, desperate for some help on the back end, any kind of help, and and they were reluctant to bring up uh, some of their blue chip prospects um, into uh, Ottawa. They wanted to leave them at the AHL level, so Mike Riley makes sense for them. The thing is that that Ottawa was at uh, the maximum number of contracts, so to uh, facilitate the deal, uh, they insisted that. Um, that Mark Bergevin take a contract back and that contract belonged to uh, Andrew Sturtz. Um, he's a, a 25 year old um, who has, there uh, uh, was a NCAA player and, and has um, um, bounced around a bit from AHL to e, ECHL in the past few years, but hasn't played an awful lot because he's, uh, he's had some injury issues. He has. However, um, you know, as as we just said earlier in this segment, doesn't mean that we are uh, against having an Andrew Sturts on the team, uh, particularly if if he brings some good qualities uh, to to the room, to the roster, to the ice. Um, it's just okay. Let's see who is he who is he replacing? Is he replacing one of your your ECHL PTOs? Well, then that's fine. How, that 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 would be fine with me. Um, 
But we wanted to know, too, a lot of times, you know, Rick, we're, we're so proud to be able, when, when call-ups from Laval go up to Montreal, all of our listeners and readers are already pretty well prepared for what to expect by this, this new name that's, that's coming onto the Montreal roster. Um, because we do so much work on the prospect level and, and have introduced our readers and listeners and followers to these names and, and what to expect for them for weeks, months, and years in preparation for that NHL call-up. Um, so when you get a guy like Andrew Sturtz, most people might not know a lot about him. So we, uh, we did our work, we did our homework uh, and, and got a couple of quotes of, we reached out to some of our sources and said, okay, Andrew Sturtz, he's coming to Laval. Can you tell us a little bit about him? So of course our first, our first stop was the Senator's organization. uh, And we do have a source inside the Senator's organization and he was happy to tell us that Sturtz, this is a, Quote, uh, Sturtz is a glue guy. He's really liked by his teammates, a character guy. Fourth line grinder, comes to the rink to work hard every day. I got no, I, I, I've got no problems with that kind of, yeah. Um, I like hearing that he's really liked by his teammates, that he's good character, that he, that he works hard. We, we never want to hear that a player's coming and, and taking the easy road. But also appreciate knowing that, Okay, his capabilities, we're looking at a fourth liner. Um, So, yeah, okay, maybe that means that that one of those ECHL contracts goes back to the ECHL um, and and Andrew Sturtz is is who we tap next. But we didn't stop there. Uh, Rick, you mentioned that he played NCAA hockey. Well, it just so happens that those three years of NCAA hockey were played at Penn State. And so we reached out to our sources at Penn State and uh, head coach Guy Godowski, who has been the head coach of the Penn State men's hockey program uh, since it uh, entered NCAA Division I competition. Um, so he coached Andrew Sturtz for all three years he was there. And Coach Godowski told us, quote, Sturtzy plays the game with a lot of passion. He loves to score and is at his best in high traffic areas. His game is infectious, as is his personality, which is what made him a fan favorite within the community and student body alike during his time at Penn State. Um, so thank you to Coach Godowski for, for offering um, that bit of analysis and assessment for us. But love, I, I, A, it echoes what our source inside the Senators organization said about his character, um, and Coach Godowski goes even further to say that he's just got this infectious personality that the, the student body and the hockey community at Penn State all just love this guy. Um, so that I'm I'm actually pretty excited to to see him get healthy and, and see what he brings. Well, exactly, and it's it's good to hear from the people who uh, at this point know him best. Uh, as you said, he spent three years um, with the uh, with Penn State, and and then for the last three years um, uh, with the Senators organization. So um, it was great uh, to be able to um, uh, reach out and and get some information that, that will um, help introduce this player to uh, to our listeners. Absolutely, and and I do. It's great to hear that he loves to score and that he's best in high traffic areas. So this sounds like a fourth liner who's going to drive the net, get in the dirty areas, get in the corners, uh, and he knows how to score. Um, 
So could be could actually end up being an uh, an exciting addition um, and one that uh, will certainly be bringing you more information about. But wanted to reach out to our sources and get as much information as we could right away. Um, I will. Um, before we head to our first break, I will say that we can announce some breaking news, actually, that just, I see, came over the wire, uh, that we have a medical update from the Laval rocket, uh, and this is some unfortunate news. Um, it's been announced today by the Laval rocket that Hayden Verbeek underwent surgery on his left thumb today. Uh, well, I shouldn't say today. Um but that he's he went, underwent surgery on his left thumb uh, at the Montreal General Hospital and is expected to be out eight to twelve weeks. Um, he was injured, apparently was injured in the New Year's Eve game against the Belleville Senators in Belleville. So, and you recall rough... that uh, our <laughs> listeners may recall that we went to. Uh... Uh, see uh, Hayden Verbeek when he was in the CHL playing for Adirondack and uh, uh, spoke to his coach and asked about, uh, you know, uh, how he was doing, how he was playing. And, and uh, the coach said, uh, Verbeek, this guy has too much speed for the CHL. And, and it's uh, unfortunate that uh, he, he did get his call up uh, to, to, uh, 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 the AHL, but uh, unfortunately wasn't uh, not as of yet able to make the the most of it, um, having gone out with that injury. Absolutely, and that's eight to twelve weeks is going to, if it's the the lengthier part of that is going to take up the bulk of the rest of the season. So fingers crossed for Hayden Verbeek that it's more on the eight week end, and unfortunately that's a Habs prospect that now you know. The number of actual Canadians prospects that are being developed at the AHL level right now is rapidly dwindling, um, which we're going to get into a little bit of of that uh, when we talk about um, this goaltending depth chart, uh, which we are going to talk about immediately on the other side of this break. Um, So don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to dive into our press box ponderings. We're going to take a look at... Yes, we've we've discussed it before, but more and more information keeps coming out, more and more information revealed that uh, just further backs up the, the argument that we've had for years now um, that, uh, well, the goaltending depth has been absolutely mishandled in Montreal, and the lack of an ECHL affiliate is certainly contributing to that. So don't go anywhere. We will be back with a segment you don't want to miss right after this. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, Interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to ahl.report, the home of the AHL Report. 
Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined, of course, by my wonderful co-host, Rick Stevens. We're so glad you're here. Uh, it's our first uh, show of the new year and the new decade, and it's a it's been a great one so far. This segment coming up is going to be a good one. You don't want to miss it. But first, allow me to remind you, be sure to reach out to us on social media. You can find us at the AHL Report. Hit us up there anytime uh, during the week if you've got questions or comments uh, and just want to be in touch about the sport of hockey. We'd be happy to hear from you. So one of our uh, newer segments this year, Rick, that seems to have gotten some really positive feedback is is a, kind of a an occasional segment that we bring in called Press Box Ponderings, um, where we, we use um, a bit of our experience and um, insight from, from being credentialed uh, hockey journalists and, and spending a lot of times in press boxes speaking with um, administrators and scouts and, and team staff and behind the scenes and so forth. And we try to, to bring um, a little bit of that insight uh, to the forefront for our listeners. Um, and just sometimes it's even just about uh, kind of setting the record straight on, on things that are being debated and, and things of that nature. And today, you know, it seems, it seems like it is 2020, it is a new year and it is a new decade, but apparently we are still stuck in 2017 as far as the Montreal Canadiens are concerned, because we just can't seem to get them to understand that as of 2017, they had Carey Price's backup goaltender ready to go. And they had the next, you know, generation of goaltenders to be developed coming through the pipeline uh, to, to come to Laval and develop. And they seem to have just managed to completely botch it at every turn ever since then. They re-signed Niemi. We said back then that was a mistake. Then they, then we said, okay, absolutely. There's no way it doesn't happen this year. Julian said, Niemi's not staying. Lindgren will be the backup. No, they go out and they sign Keith Kincaid. Um, and it's just been an absolute nightmare. It's something we've talked about ad nauseum. Um, you'll hear some out there on the Twitterverse who say, you know, oh, yeah, we, you know, we've been saying for for years that, uh, uh, you know, it's just been a mess with the goaltending. Well, <laughs> we've, as I've said before, I was on an island picking the Minnesota Vikings. We've been on a bit of an island with this as well. And it's all coming to fruition, all the backup that we need to say, like, we don't want to say I told you so, but we told you so. We've been warning that this disaster was going to fall apart at some point. And, Rick, uh, particularly due to uh, some some articles that are coming out this week, it seems like the goaltending depth chart is kind of coming coming apart at the seams. Um, both Charlie Lindgren and Michael McNiven um, both featured in, in some articles this week. Uh, for those who aren't aware, McNiven was recalled from the ECHL again because, surprise, surprise, he was caught in another three-goaltender tandem in Jacksonville. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, as, as you pointed out 
in uh, today. Um, calling him up to the AHL has not exactly been advantageous for him either. So uh, can you can you catch us up a little bit with what the current situation is and, and why this is such a mess for us to break it down? It's 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 really tough. It's it's really tough for these these guys um, as humans, you know, as well, yeah, as really good guys who are, are committed to their craft and committed to their career and and the way things are, um, you know, they're they're not being uh, respected as people. Um, but beyond that, it doesn't make any sense uh, for the the. Uh, the, the stream, the legacy, the, the continuation uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, as you said, uh, Niami was a mistake. Kincaid was obviously a mistake. And um, with if those mistakes were not made, the Canadiens' goaltending situation would be lining up pretty pretty well, actually. Yeah, um, it'd be wonderful. Carey Price, uh, you know... Uh, one of the best goaltenders in the world that will, that will stay for, for years. Um, but Charlie Lindgren um, has in, in his, in his limited experience, but it's getting, it's getting up there now. He's close to 20 games and uh, it has proved himself over and over and over again, that he is an NHL caliber goaltender. Uh, mm-hmm. He can handle the backup role. Um, you know, a 914 save percentage at the NHL level um, has two shutouts at the NHL level. Um, it's it's um, he's he's an NHL goaltender, and against uh, Carolina on um, New Year's Eve, he was spectacular uh, and uh, didn't get the win in that game, but had a 943 save percentage. Did everything he could. Uh, to to get his team uh, there and and you know he knows that that the Canadians um, have not necessarily uh, whether it's Julien whether it's uh, uh, Bergevin have not treated him fairly he's not been given a fair shot uh, so he knows that he's under the gun he's, he's there's great pressure every single time he goes in uh, but he's he talks about being a, a man of faith. And that, uh, and and we've talked to him uh, this season as well, and and he mm-hmm. is just super focused on on um, going out and every time he has a, an opportunity, uh, being the best for him and his teammates. He it's really important for him to be a good teammate. He says that he's getting along very well with Carey Price and the rest of the team, and they've all spoken pretty highly of him. Um, as well, um, he's 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 calm, uh, but he's uh, you know you can see that that desire and that passion, and he's he's in a very good goaltender and could uh, be a backup for any team in the National Hockey League. Um, unfortunately, it's you know it's the way the Canadians have have made mistakes. Um, they've, they've put each of these young men in a difficult situation. Uh, Michael McNiven, um, you know, it, with, without Kincaid could easily be uh, splitting the load in, um, in Laval with uh, Caden Primo. Um, Caden, uh, you know, for all the talk uh, about uh, him being the future is, is several years away. And, and Caden's gone through, 
uh, some rough patches uh, this year. Uh, he's been very good his last two starts. And you had mentioned earlier the, the shutout um, against Lehigh Valley. But uh, there was uh, six games where he had given up five uh, or close to it and and uh, and was struggling. And, and young goaltenders are going to go through that and they have to uh, know what it's like to go through that. So uh, certainly the rest of this year in Laval and, and uh, hopefully next year as well uh, to get him on his feet and, and uh, Michael McNiven could have been right there with him, but um, with the log jam and then adding Connor Lacouve into the mix, um, it, it's been unwieldy for any team, but, a, but especially for a team without an ECHL affiliate. And we talked We've talked in the past how over the past three years, that's, that's really um, handcuffed the Montreal Canadiens. We talked about the situation in Trois-Rivières and the mayor turning down the Montreal Canadiens um, mm-hmm. and, and, and ending that uh, applicate, whether it's completely dead or not, we'll, we'll see. But um, whatever the situation, the situation this year is that the Canadians do not have an ECHL affiliate, which has left Michael McNiven uh, to start the year in, in Adirondack. And, and even though he played very well, he wasn't playing enough. He's only played uh, 14 games, I believe, this season. Uh, and when uh, Adirondack had, uh, you know, uh, 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 an abundance of goaltenders from their own uh, organization, the New Jersey Devils, he was dispatched to uh, Jacksonville. Uh, that's the Winnipeg Jets affiliate in the ECHL. Played a little bit there, but um, you know, then Griffin Outhouse came back from the Manitoba Moose to uh, Jacksonville, and there was no room again for uh, mm-hmm. Michael McNiven, and and he was kind of left hanging. <laughs> Literally, he was he was um, uh, without much communication when when you and I talked to him. He said he, that was when he was in, in Adirondack and, and we went to visit him and um, and he said the the New Jersey guys for Adirondack uh, and talking that was t- he was talking about the development guys are here almost every game. He said, you know, he had remained in uh, text contact with Marco Marciano, but otherwise he was kind of forgotten and he was completely forgotten over the holidays um, and until they finally. Uh, on New Year's Eve, uh, brought him back uh, to Lavelle. But then, you know, there was no communication with him as far as as practices or ice time. And um, he's been in a really difficult position. Um, he he He's quoted as saying that, um, you know, he understands the organization doesn't believe in him, in him anymore, which is a, a real sad thing for a young player to say, but that he believes in himself. And as we've said many times, this this guy is only a couple years uh, removed from being OHL goaltender of the year, CHL goaltender of the year, and was on track to be a very promising prospect. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, um, a, a riches in the goaltending area uh, that yeah. were uh, delivered to uh, Montreal with Hayden, the hockey and, and Zach Vukali and others. And, and they've uh, steadily, um, uh, not taking advantage of that, and and in the in the process, uh, have have really hurt the careers of of uh, several excellent prospects. 
And that's what I think fans don't understand. Fans get all, you know, God bless Caden Primo and his talents. And I am sure, and, and sure, he's made um, some decent starts this year. And I'm, I have no doubt that given a couple of years of development, Caden Primo is going to be a very good, very reliable goaltender. Um, and I'm, I'm happy for him for that. Fans get really excited about that and and that idea and get really excited about Caden Primo. And, and oh, great, be excited about him, but be excited with, with the awareness that that excitement has to wait a couple of years. You can be excited about him now, but you can't have it all at once. And that... You know, the mismanagement here, as you said, these are human beings. What Charlie Lindgren, Michael McNiven, and quite frankly, Zach Fucali, what the three of them have endured from this organization for the last, I'm going to say, four years, because we'll go back to when Fucali was just starting in the organization um, and, and Lindgren was starting in the organization. What, these, what those three goaltenders have endured over the last four years, I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's despicable from, from a business standpoint, it's despicable. Zach Fakali got out and yes, you know, he's, he's bounced around a little bit. You know, he was, he was in Chicago for a little while, you know, and, and there's been plenty of up and down ECHL, AHL for him. Um, But he got a new start again this year when Tampa, when Syracuse signed him, now, granted, he'd spent all season in the ECHL, but he's been he's been working hard, and obviously is in an organization that values him. Um, he had the thankfully for him, he's also had the opportunity to represent Canada in the Spengler Cup for the last two years, and now coming back off of another fantastic run at the Spengler Cup, posting two consecutive shutouts to win the tournament. His numbers were just out of bounds uh, for his goals against and save percentage. He comes back and Benoit Gruel says, get him up here. As soon as he's back from the Spangler cup, he's back in the AHL and he is in net to start against his former team. And you can tell we spoke with Zach Fucali over the summer. I did an interview with him when he got signed by Syracuse and, and his, he said, I invite people to go back and listen to that interview because he said then, you know, there's been times in my career and, and the unsaid portion was most likely when he was with Montreal where he was stifled, where he would, you know, where communication wasn't very good or promises weren't kept. Um, so hopefully he's in a much better place now. Lingren and McNiven are still stuck in this organization and, Quite frankly, I think they're be- they're both being disrespected as athletes and as human beings. You know that it's it's a company and it's a business, and this isn't how you treat your employees. I was appalled when when you had relayed the portion of that um, McNiven uh, piece to me today. That upon arriving in Laval, there was no communication from anyone. They had didn't like. You you don't even he's on your roster and you don't invite him to like he's not at practice he doesn't have ice to skate on I mean how do you expect your prospects to develop if they can't even get on the ice 
you're just setting guys up to fail. And you, Rick, what you said at the very end of your statement there is absolutely spot on. You are endangering the careers of these young men. Goaltenders don't have many positions to fill in pro hockey. It's a very competitive market, much more so than it is for, for skaters. There are only very few positions, and there's a lot of competition for those positions. And when you constantly stifle the careers and the development of guys who are trying to get those positions, you could negatively affect their career permanently. That's where I have a problem with how Montreal has handled this goaltending depth debacle from day one. And now look, now where are we at? Lindgren is up with Price, as he should have been at, to start the year, and Kincaid is in Laval, not playing very well, quite frankly. So what did signing Kincaid do for you? Nothing. Literally nothing. And it hurt a lot more than the, any gains you could have gotten out of it. And Rick, I just, I just think it's, it's really unfortunate. And Keith Kincaid will move on from the organization, just as Antti Niemi did, and uh, Al Montoya did, and and uh, I, I could list how many could I list? Um, <laughs> yeah. We talked about on the Canadians Connection, uh, Cedric Desjardins and Joey McDonald and all oh, um, uh, Mark Bergevin. Um, this the the the. And, and I understand that there's 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 people out there that um, you know the, this affects this affects these these guys and and uh, per, has permanent impacts on their their career and uh, when they go through this kind of thing and it, and and this goes on for um, not just a, a short period of time but for years it can affect their career and then um, they're not able to you know. Uh, Transitioning from a um, um, an amateur to a, a pro is um, is a tricky thing, and um, everything kind of has to go in your favor. And if you are are held back, or your your you know these these things start to play on your mind, um, it may permanently affect you, and then you're not able to ever reach your potential. And then we get the the fans who who've never followed any of these prospects say. Yeah, see, um, shouldn't have been drafted. Um, they were never right. any good in the first, never any good in the first place. The organization was right about them. That's utter nonsense, and it's <laughs> it's just proving their 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 idiocy because it's it's uh, these peop- these players. I mean, you know, as as even outside of hockey, th- this is teenagers transitioning to young men. It's an important development period of their lives that can affect them. Uh, forever and that's what we're seeing here and you know I my hat is off uh, to to both uh, Charlie Lindgren and uh, Michael McNiven there's others but uh, because that those that's who we're talking about here who've endured a lot and who mm-hmm. are still trying to remain focused to pursue their dream and I I give them all kinds of credit for having such internal strength at at uh, the age they're at and quite frankly, acting in a much more professional way than their employer has. 
call. I'll use a favorite phrase of a of a certain coach in Laval: "Call a spade a spade." They are acting much more professionally than their employer does. I'm sure that we will have more on this uh, in in the coming weeks. Uh, allegedly, the word is that uh, Laval is Laval and the Canadians are uh, finalizing details and should have a, a new location for Michael McNiven in the next few days. So, you know, let's see what new ECHL team he gets shipped off to, um, to, to sit in the press box on most nights, uh, and, and not, not really get a lot done, but we will, we will be on the story. Um, and, uh, we will bring you all the information we can muster about it. Uh, this is the second segment, which means we are going around the AHL. So I do quickly want to just mention, um, don't need to get into anything in depth, but just want to announce, uh, of course, the AHL has made the monthly award winners for December, and that would be Kiefer Bellows of the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, player of the month. Goaltender of the month was Oscar Dansk uh, with the Chicago Wolves. And, of course, uh, rookie of the month, Mr. Brogan Rafferty from the Utica Comets. Um Brogan Rafferty, in his 13 games, played uh, three goals, 13 assists, and 16 points. So uh, doing pretty well for young Mr. Rafferty. Um, Oscar Dance. <laughs> Oscar Dance had quite a month in December. He went 7-0-0 in December, posting a 1-5-7 goals against and a 9-43 save percentage. Those are pretty nice numbers. <laughs> pretty nice. nice. Pretty nice numbers. So congratulations to them. And, of course, uh, this week's CCM Player of the Week uh, has also been announced by the American Hockey League. And I believe he is a West Coast player. Uh, Yes, it is. If my computer would just cooperate with me. Uh, Yes, it is Sam Anass from the Iowa Wild. Um, He had a trio of three-point games last week. So he had a goal and eight assists in three games with Iowa last week, Three, at least three points um, in each one of those games. So that's that's pretty spectacular for that young man. Um, So congratulations to him as well. Uh, Before we take a quick break uh, and come back for our last segment, Rick, I do just want to take a quick look at the standings. As we said, we've about reached the halfway point for the season. If you look at the Atlantic division, Hartford is still hanging on. They are still in first place in the Atlantic with 49 points. But let me tell you something. The Hershey Bears. Folks, if you can catch a Hershey Bears game, not only will you be very entertained by the fantastic play calling of Mr. Zach Fish, who is their, is their broadcaster, Hershey is heating up, folks. And anyone who's watched the AHL long enough knows that when Hershey gets hot, watch out. Hershey has gone 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. They're on a four-game winning streak, and they, have, they were at the bottom of this division they have catapulted into a solid second place in the standings, just two points behind Hartford in first place. Uh, so Hershey is going on quite a run right now. As we said, Lehigh Valley is tied for last place with 31 points uh, in the standings. And uh, the rest of them, Providence, Springfield, Charlotte, and Wilkes-Barre are all within four points of, of that. That's just a four point spread for those teams. So it's a, it's a tight race right in the middle of the pack there for the Atlantic. 
in the oh, north. Just, and, just before we leave uh, that, that um, sure. I just want to point out the Charlotte Checkers. And uh, yes. Charlotte Checkers are reigning Calder Cup ca- uh, champs. Uh, we know that. And um, they basically uh, took everybody and shipped them out and brought in a new team. Not mm-hmm. exactly, but but it included it seemed like coaching it. <laughs> changes and major player changes and and their whole almost the entire roster turned over and they were dreadful at the beginning of the season. Yeah, they were. Uh, don't look now, but uh, the uh, Charlotte Checkers have won eight of their last ten games and have uh, uh, are making a, a run up the standings and are twelfth overall in the uh, the AHL. 12th out of out of the 31 teams so um let's let's see where where that goes uh as you said halfway through we'll see um if if they can uh, make a push for a playoff spot and those are the things that you and you're you're absolutely right to me and and they're on a five game winning streak so you're absolutely right to point them out as ones to watch just like i said in the last segment that January is going to be an important month for Laval if they're going to get and or maintain a playoff position, particularly since they have a pretty challenging road schedule for most of the month. Also, they have to contend with teams like this who are on a hot streak overall in the conference um, and overall in the league who also, they all know they need to have a big January as well. So, um, Laval's got a lot on the line, and so does Lehigh Valley. Lehigh Valley has some catching up to do. January is, you know, we'll see where everything lands right before the All-Star break at the end of the month, um, because it's going to be it's going to be a tight race, I think, with both of these divisions. Um, and I think anything can happen, and I think there's going to be some some people who've been kind of just lollygagging along in the top towards the tops of their divisions are going to find themselves scrambling to maintain a playoff position before February 1st rolls around. Um, In the North division, we did just speak about uh, how tight it is at the top. Rochester is still uh, leading at 46 points. Utica um, has, they've been struggling a little bit the last couple of games, but Utica has really come up in the standings. They're uh, two points behind in second place. The Marlies are just one point behind that. But the, as we said, the Marlies have gone three and seven in their last 10. They are struggling, um, but I wouldn't put it past Toronto to find a second gear at some point. So you can't ever count them out. Belleville senators, my goodness, have the Belleville senators, turned it around this year let's not let's not even joke they the amount of prospect depth that they have in the Ottawa organization right now is outstanding Um, and there are there are quite a few prospects in Belleville who are just absolutely phenomenal Um, Logan Brown had his troubles in the AHL or in the NHL. He's regaining his footing in the, in the AHL. Drake Batherson has been fantastic. Vitalia Bramoff has been fantastic. Um, I mean, I could off the top of my head, I, I could go on. There are so many guys um, who are playing in really good hockey in Belleville right now, and they find themselves tied for third with Toronto. Congratulations to the Belleville Senators. Um, Laval's right behind them. So between second and fifth place where Laval is, that's only a two-point spread. It's 44 points to 42. So it is very tight, but I think that's going to open up here soon. 
Um, and just quickly looking, the Central Division, Milwaukee is has a firm grasp on the lead in the Central Division at 54 points. Uh, the next next team in second place there is 10 points back, and that's the Iowa Wild. And something similar for the Pacific Division, Tucson is still running away. <laughs> no pun intended. It's the Tucson Roadrunners. See what I did there? They're run- okay. Running away with the Pacific Division with 51 points. Um, and Stockton is just six points back right on their tail as well. So the halfway and, and point. Just to, just to mention um, about the Roadrunners, um, they were supposed to um, you know, there's some question whether they could keep up the pace. Um, uh, Arizona being involved in the uh, Taylor Hall trade had had shipped out uh, Merkley and Schnarr, who were uh, part of uh, Tucson, uh, but they've they've won seven games of their last ten and and uh, haven't really shown any effects from that uh, trade, having to give up prospects um, to the New Jersey organization. Not at all. So uh, congratulations to them and to everyone who is performing well right now. It's going to be an exciting month. Um, January is, it's really going to heat up. Um, and now is when, and we, we watch the standings from the, from the beginning of the season, but now is when you really start to start doing the math. Um, and it's an important, it's an important uh, 31 days here in this month. So we are going to take one last quick break on the other side. When we come back, we are going to, just take a quick look at the world juniors and just mention a couple of names of, of some players uh, who stood out to us. And then we'll give you an idea of where you can find us this week. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at the AHL report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel, at AllHabs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. Welcome back to From the Press Box here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And again, don't forget, you can find us on Twitter at the AHL Report. We always welcome folks to uh, drop us a tweet, um, questions, comments, want to talk about hockey, want to learn about a prospect. We'd love to hear from our listeners. uh, So don't hesitate to reach out via social media. So, Rick, you did mention in the first segment, and I must begrudgingly again congratulate your Team Canada on a spectacular victory 
slightly controversial but spectacular victory against the Russians uh, to win gold at the World Juniors uh, this past Sunday. Um, it was quite a tournament. Um, you know, there was there was some upsets. There was you know some some wins that didn't expect to go that the way that they went. Um, but there were some players who really really stood out. Um, I don't know who stood out the most uh, for you per se. I know one for me uh, is actually a Flyers prospect, and that's Zamola. Um, that kid is going to pay dividends in the Flyers organization eventually. Uh, really, really great tournament performance for him, um, as well as uh, Shane Pinto for the Americans. Um, another one who I don't Shane Pinto was, was one that, okay, he's going to do well in the tournament, but he was really, uh, he and Zegra were, were really kind of the glue that, that held the U S together. Um, who, who really stood out for you? Well, the, the TSN camera uh, played a significant role. Um, (laughs) That was a good, yeah. That, that guy. Uh Yeah. Um, and uh, Akil Thomas, uh, you know, uh, scored the big goal, and uh, Alexi Lafreniere was was named um, uh, uh, best player of the tournament uh, for Team Canada. But, but for my money, it was Barrett Hayton, who was unbelievable all tournament, uh, and was was well, let's just say he wasn't 100 percent, and uh, scored that big goal in the third period. Um, Barrett Hayton was was everything for uh, Canada, and you can understand we you know during the the, the Taylor Hall trade um, uh, we said that Arizona did not give up any blue chip prospects, and they didn't, and uh, they certainly didn't give up Barrett Hayton, and we see why because he was terrific um, all tournament uh, long. Um, for the Americans, for me, um, uh, you mentioned Shane Pinto. Uh, uh, Joe Whalen is uh, my partner on uh, Canadians Connection. He's another big fan of Shane Pinto, uh, uh, the Senators organization. Nick Robertson was was uh, pretty good of uh, the Leafs organization. Oliver Wallstrom, um, but my my top player uh, for the Americans was Trevor Zegers. He was he, yeah. he of the 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 nine uh, primary assists uh, most creative player in the tournament he was unbelievable um i i know the americans are being out of the medical out of the medals are going to uh, have a bit of a postmortem and try and figure out what happened penalties were obviously an issue uh, lots of mm-hmm. of daggers being thrown at scott sandlin but he's an excellent uh ncaa coach um, yeah, and um, maybe it was uh, as far it was about the selection of the roster and and not necessarily uh, how it's coached for Canadians fans. Um, Cole Caulfield, we've talked about Cole Caulfield that that a more realistic kind of uh, view is needed of of Cole Caulfield is <laughs> obviously a sniper. That's but, an understatement. <laughs> but you see in in best on best that uh, he had a tough time in this tournament and he's going to need to work on his game and become a more complete player and create his own offense rather than having others do it for for him. Romanoff in Russia was terrific. And, yes, and, he was. Uh, there's all kinds of good signs uh, that he'll be in the – have a chance to be in the Canadians' uh, lineup next next season. So always a great tournament and uh, lots of excitement. Um, unpredictable, as always. 
Of um, course. And, uh, and, and yes, a, a camera played a, a, a part in the, the result this, this year. Well, one thing that is predictable is that yet again, Russia will be in attendance with a gigantic chip on their shoulder next year. So (laughs) you can guarantee that, Um, you know, particularly against Canada, because first it started with the whole Barrett Hayton didn't take his helmet off during the Russian anthem the first time they played each other. And then how the gold medal game went. So Canada and Russia is a bit of a twofer, so I imagine tensions are going to be pretty high between those teams the next time they meet. Um, So that leads us to this week, and, you know, um, for the AHL, it's mostly NHL action for the beginning of this week. Um, The Laval Phantom, yeah, the Laval Phantoms, it's pretty much what it feels like right now. Uh, The Laval Rocket, as we said, goes on their first it uh, goes on a three and three this weekend. They will be playing in Syracuse on Friday night. They'll be playing in Lehigh Valley on Saturday. And then they have an afternoon three o'clock matinee in Bridgeport against the Sound Tigers on Sunday afternoon. Uh, we will have full coverage of all three of those uh, matchups uh, here at the AHL report. And uh, I'll be live, live tweeting those games as well. Uh, additionally, we will be in the building uh, for Phantoms fans and for Laval fans uh, on the Saturday game when those two teams play each other in Allentown. So we'll have, of course, some post-game audio and and so forth uh, from that. Outside of that, uh, Lehigh Valley is actually playing a 3-3 and this weekend as well. They will be playing in Utica on Friday night, coming home to host Laval Saturday night, and then they're hosting the Cleveland Monsters on Sunday afternoon. So we will have lots of coverage for you on the AHL report. Be sure to follow us. You can find me, of course, on Twitter at Flyers Rule. You can find Rick at All Habs. And Rick, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners and readers and followers. Um, I said this on Twitter, but since uh, we were on a little hiatus over the holiday, just the way the calendar fell, didn't get to say it on this podcast, but, you know, Rocket Sports Media started a decade ago, um, and from very humble beginnings, uh, starting starting out, and uh, it's been an honor to be part of this team uh, almost from the beginning, um, and watching how you've uh, grown and developed this company into a credible, respected um, hockey media independent media site we don't have we don't reap the benefits of any other hockey site out there um, who has a a national parent media company like the SB nations or the you know NBC or TSN or you know any of those kinds of things we are a truly independent media site and to to have built that from the ground up uh, tip of the hat to you uh, and how far we've come along um, in our development. We are credentialed at every level of hockey now, providing in-depth, honest, unbiased, accurate coverage uh, behind the scenes to listeners for 10 years. Uh, and so thank you so much to all of our listeners and readers and followers for, for coming along on this journey with us. And thank you, Rick, for the opportunity to be here and looking forward to what the next decade has in store. Well, we're we're really excited uh, for the next steps, and and we're we're always working hard to make sure that our um, organization, as you said, is is independent. 
we we're, we're not affiliated with a major brand or have a, uh, an angel investor um, behind yeah. the scenes, but uh, <laughs> we are independent. We, um, we make sure we're, we're lean and, uh, and professional and we have uh, standards that we will uh, maintain and we have some excellent people um, who uh, help us to, uh, to deliver that information, uh, that quality information, the kind of information uh, that you can trust. And um, there's other ways you can go about these kinds of things. Uh, ours is, is kind of a, a one that's driven by um, a lot of hard work and professionalism. And, and uh, we'll continue to do that as, as we continue to lo- learn and, and grow and improve uh, and roll out new things to uh, this wonderful um, uh, audience that we have that we've connected with uh, worldwide, uh, this community that's, that's uh, embraced us uh, over the past uh, dozen years. Absolutely. And of course, we will be right back here again next Tuesday for another episode of From the Press Box. So thank you so much for joining us and kicking off 2020 the right way with lots of great hockey talk. Don't forget to hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Rick, thanks again. I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my birthday now. Uh, Happy birthday. Fun. Thank you. And uh, hopefully the Habs and the Flyers both uh, get a win tonight. That'd be a great way to celebrate my birthday. So, yes, I will be spending it watching hockey. Um, And until next Tuesday, enjoy the week. Enjoy hockey. Thanks so much for being here. And we will see you back here again next week. Have a good one. (laughs) 